God will give you to bring healing to a lot of people. As I thought about it this week, I got excited, hoping I can go back to Norway. I'd love to give this at an evening session because I know if I gave an altar call, that I know that there would probably be hundreds who would come forward. I had an experience in Norway many years ago when I was there with George Johnson, Karen. Did you know George Johnson? And uh, I, I spoke to the leadership team, and I said, we experienced something in our church at Trinity and San Peter. I'll be preaching it there a week from Sunday. And Joe Johnson came to our church. How many of you know Joe Johnson? Just a few of you? He spoke okay. here a few months ago. Yeah. yeah, Joe is wonderful. And Joe gave an altar call that I never, we never had before. I was sitting in the back. There were about 9,800 people. I was sitting in the back of the main uh, sanctuary. And Joe said, we're going to have an altar call, but we're not going to have any speaking. We're just going to come up and get a hug. And I trust Joe a lot. I really trust Joe because I've seen him operate. He's ministered to me many times. And I said to myself, Joe, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I was in the back. Like, Come on, an altar call where you don't say anything, you don't pray anything, you just hug. So the first one to go forward was the associate pastor, six feet eight, can't hide, and he fell into the arms of Gifford Grobian. Just cried and cried and cried. An hour and a half later, we finished the altar call. Literally, because so many people needed love, needed attention, needed comfort. It was obvious to me. So I do it in Norway. I tell the leadership team that you're going to be up in front. They're going to come up for a hug. So we're lined up like this, and here I am, and George is next to me, and then the, the team. And I, after speaking about this, I said, okay, now we're going to have an altar call, but you just come forward. I'm not going to say anything to you. We're not going to pray for you. We're just going to hug you. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I started talking to myself. I said, you idiot. You don't expect these Norwegians, you know, the Yontaloven, they're, they're, they're pressed down. Their emotions are, it's hard to show their emotions. That's people that are too, yeah, people who are too exuberant, one girl's 30 years old. She said, I had my birthday last month, and I was criticized for being too happy. They, 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 uh, the nail that sticks out is pounded down. So you want shh, democracy and emotion. So you don't want people sticking out. So I started talking to myself, and I said, I'm going to count to 10. One, two, three. And I, I'm at 10, I'm going to close it down. Say, okay. No. Seven, eight, an old man gets up, walks forward, falls into George Johnson's arms, begins to cry. That busted it, and then it came. And we had a long time of just caring, loving people. And then he said the next day, this old man, thank you. Thank you for waiting for it. It is very difficult for us Norwegians to express our emotions. Yeah, I speak Norwegian, too, so I know. So I was so thankful that God broke through. So I don't want to share with you long tonight because I, uh, we prayed that God would continue his work, and it may be that some of you who have had a week now of walking in this, maybe you'll have 
something to share. Maybe others will have something to share, but I would like to have a little time of sharing after I share with you. So what I want to do is just share from the Bible where we see Father Womb. I dare you to find one good father in the Old Testament. You find a lot of good leaders, but you don't find fathers. Samuel, a great leader, terrible son. King Nebuchadnezzar, a great king. His son's name is uh, Manasseh, a wicked, wicked, wicked. How could a son be a son of that father? I don't know. They're not good fathers. They didn't know how to care. We're going to see one that you'll be surprised at, another one. Great king, maybe the greatest, and he wasn't a good father. So let's start with, if, if you have, I'd like you to look with me, Genesis 25. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, we've got them here. Have you ever heard that before? If you don't have a Bible, grab on, uh, send those back there, will you? So, Genesis 25, and uh, verse 24, Rebecca is with child, with children, actually, and she's struggling. It's, she's having a hard time of pregnancy, and the Lord speaks to her, tells her the older will serve the younger. That's interesting, because she's going to pick the winner. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. Verse 25, the first came out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Yaakov. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up. And Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Hey, if you were going fishing, who would you take? Esau or Jacob? What? Okay. I thought maybe some of you would take Jacob and say, hey, come on, you've got to learn how to do this. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, uh-oh, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob's a mama's boy. So, father wound, big time. Jacob has a father wound. He got over it, but he almost killed himself in the process, conniving his way into the blessings of God and the blessings of his father. Later in life, he is, he is struggling as he's... Uh, uh, about to have a fearful encounter with his brother. He wrestles with God in the middle of the night. Ever done that? I bet some of you have. He's wrestling with God, and God touches him, so he walks with a limp the rest of his life, but it said he prevailed. There was something about him that was pressing in for God in a positive way, going after God, pushing, and I, I, won't, I won't let go until you bless me. And he prevailed, and God changed his name from Yaakov to pardon? Israel. Israel. Is-sara, is prince. He prevailed as a prince. Sa'el, the name shortened for Elohim, Israel. So, great name. And uh, 
he had a father wound, but he prevailed and God did some healing. What do you know about hurt people? So, turn to Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, and he brought a bad report about them. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because he had... Born, he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word. Oh, what a nice family. Visit the family of the patriarch and the people who are becoming patriarchs. Such mature people, they hated him. What a terrible place to grow up. What tension. So what did they do to their brother? They were going to kill him. And they decided we might make some money off him. Let's make some money off him instead. So they sold him down the river. Who had the father wound? Ten brothers. Did they get healed? Not that we can see. They're hateful. Did they have cause? They did. He was an idiot. Jacob, he knows how it feels to come in second. And now he does it to ten brothers. He didn't get healed. Hurt people hurt people. He should have, he should have prevailed on that matter too. Did Joseph have a father wound? You know you're a victim if you live by if onlys. I'll give you a few. If only my brothers hadn't sailed me down the river. If only Potiphar at Crum had not believed his wife. If only the butler had not forgotten me and I had to stay in here another crummy year in this prison for another year. Joseph did not think with his own, if only. For somehow, Joseph managed to take each situation as it came, suffered through it, but came out with a clear spirit. You know how we know? Turn to Genesis chapter 50. And now, he's got his brothers kneeling at his feet. And he could have said, this is going to be fun. They did it to me, I do it to them. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. They did it, they're going to get what's coming to them. And they're scared to death when, they, when it's revealed that this guy is really Joseph. He doesn't look like Joseph, he looks like an Egyptian, right? He's an Egyptian prime minister. He's the second most powerful man in the, nation, in the world. And here they are, come down for food, and Joseph is crying, trying to hold his emotions as he sees his brother Benjamin, who Jacob also loved, he's crying with emotion. He doesn't have a father wound. Somehow he managed to forgive his brother. And so we see it 
in chapter 50 that his brothers came in verse 18 and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Okay, that sounds good. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? If you hold on to a father when you're playing God, I'm not saying that to put shame on you, but if you do, you're playing God. You're not forgiving, and you're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take vengeance on these people. You indeed intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. What a healthy young man. God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Let me say something really powerful. This is for those of you that have a father wound and are, and are being healed from it. You know what happens as you get healed from it? You may be the redeemer of the people that hurt you. I've seen it before. When you get healed, God releases such power. Think Jesus. He's the wounded one. He forgives, and God uses it to bless the world. You get healed, and God uses it to bless the people who have hurt you. It's, it's absolutely powerful. I love seeing it when Lola, Lola was able to write a letter, and we had to walk to the mailbox. She could not walk to the mailbox and mail it. We walked to the mailbox, hard for her to put it in. She put it in, and she got news back. She didn't know what it was going to say, but her father asked for forgiveness, and so she's healing him now. He had shredded her. He had maligned her. He had despised her, and she is forgiving him. And now, she is the healer. You're going to become healers. As you continue and walk through this, you're going to be healers. Now, I don't want to say that to put pressure on you, because there may be a season when you have to separate from them. You, you can't, you can't un, under any uh, terms, commit to doing this. You still need counsel and help from others. So you, you walk it through in a righteous way. But there's a release of power that comes to people who can forgive people who don't deserve it. And you can look forward to that. We'll look at one more. Turn to Samuel, Second Samuel. It's about 13, I think. And then I want you to just share a little bit with me. So, Absalom, of all David's sons, is most like David. He's most like David in his charismatic personality, in his leadership gifting, in his flair, his ability to win a crowd. He, he just, uh, he acts like David. Amnon is his brother, and Tamar is the full sister of Absalom, the half-sister of Amnon. Amnon violates Tamar. And David, it says in chapter 13, verse 21, when King David heard all this, he was furious. What did he do about it? Nothing. 
So Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Did he have reason to hate her? Yes, he did. And he's going to get even with him. He kills him two years later, and he flees the country. So now David has lost two sons, one to death by murder, and one who's a fugitive. What did David do for, to bring Absalom back? Do you know the answer? I think nothing. He did nothing. Did he want him back? He absolutely wanted him back. Sometimes people who are called to be parents or called to be leaders are really, really passive. And they either don't have the ability, don't have the guts, don't have whatever it takes. David was a better fighter than he was a father. And he didn't know how to be a father. He didn't know that he should have called. So Joab convinces him in chapter 14 to bring him back. Verse 23, then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. So what did the king do when he came back? But the king said he must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. What are you doing, David? You're making him more bitter than he was. There are two places in the New Testament in the epistles where it addresses parents, and both times, Ephesians and Colossians, it's to the fathers, and it says fathers don't exasperate, don't provoke them to anger. What's the temptation? Fathers are going to exasperate, provoke them to anger. So David nailed it and spoke to dads about the importance. He was exasperating him. He wanted to see the king. He, at 40 years old, he was still waiting for his dad to approve of him to affirm him, to say, you're great. You got what it takes. Why didn't he do that? He could have saved his life. So Absalom is so angry that he burns the field down to get attention of his father so that his father will come back. Uh, verse uh, 33 of chapter 14. So Joab went to the king and told him this. And the king summoned Absalom, came in, bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. That was it. So what's going to Absalom going to do? He's going to kill the king. He's going to raise up, and he, he, so he starts to win people to himself. He had the personality to do it. So he won people over, and now he's coming against the king, and he wants to kill his dad. Did he have a father wound? Oh, big time. Huge wound from a father who should have known better. You know the story. Job was told, uh, told not to harm him, so he's hanging by his hair, and he tells the guy to kill him. The guy refused because he knew the king's orders, and Joab took darts, put him through his heart, and killed him. He died of dart wounds. He really died of a father wound. Did David love him? Read chapter 18 at the end. The, Cush, uh, the king asked the Cushite, is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, May the enemies, my lord, the king, and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, 
my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Did he love him? He really, really loved him. Didn't you know how to show it? He didn't have a clue. Great king, read the Psalms. Here is a, a man who had a heart for God, a man after God's own heart. God loved David. David loved God. Just didn't know how to love his kids. It's a sad story. So why am I sharing this? It's because it's so common. And we want to be healers. And we want to pray for you who are in the process of being healers, being healed so that you can be healers. And the rest of us, we want to reach out with tenderness to people that didn't have the kind of advantage that many of us have had. I had a good father. I don't have a father wound. Because he cared for me, loved me, showed it, no doubt about it. Forgave me easily. Stupid things that I did. So I'm, I'm very grateful, but I'm sad for those of you who have gone through it. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have some prayer again uh, tonight. But before we do, I'd, I'd like you to share, maybe some of you that haven't had wounds, know of people who have and can share out of that experience, or can share the joy of having a good dad. I'd like to hear from those of you who have had wounds. Some of you shared last week. I'd like to hear from you again if there's any more thoughts that have come to you. Don't be nervous. I, I don't think I'll call on anybody. But I would like you to share, because that helped us. It helped me last week to be able to hear, and I think it helped you too, Karen, as we... Um, that's true, yeah. So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit together. Any response to what, I, what you just heard now? That we can that we, that we can look at and say he was a good father. I said in the Old Testament. Okay, good point. You can have a good father and still have a father yeah. wound. Yeah. That's true. That's and true. Yeah. That's so fair. That's good, honey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good. 
some of you that have been wounded, go ahead, share with us where you're at. When I t taught it last week, do you remember that I, the first point I said is I acknowledge that I'm wounded. That's very important, Andre, because you can overlook the fact that you have been wounded and wonder why you go to bed and are a little depressed and you wake up with a cloud over your head or that you're not quite as confident as some people and you wonder why it, depression hits you easily. And when you acknowledge it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to realize. Yeah, Kat? It seems to me that Zechariah had a father wound in the way he responded to the angel. How can I be sure? I think he got embittered because his wife was barren all those years. And here's an angel standing next to him. And he said, I want proof. Hey, wait a minute. You got an angel standing. How often does that happen in the temple? And yet there, I think there was a sorrow in his heart because his wife was barren and it was a curse. So I think that's really a possibility that the guy who, who didn't invest his money, what did he say about the master? I knew that you, yeah. So he had the picture 
that was, I think, formed out of his own uh, disappointment. Yeah, Andy? That's good because I had I don't I don't like her, but that that yeah yeah that's that's worth thinking about. Yeah, Andy. The sad thing that what we've done with the blacks in their reaction in that is that the majority of them, the great majority of them, are born out of wedlock, without a father in the home. Seventy, over seventy-five percent of them, and so they don't have the chance to grow up with that model. They're fatherless, and they don't know what to do. They don't. They don't know how to how to live life. So that that's a sad reality that we live with today with the black community. Well, what do you feel? You're, you, do you have a father wound?
That's really profound. That, that, that's hitting right on it, I think. Don't you think? The rest of those of you who have had wounds, doesn't that sound, is that close to what you're feeling? And that's kind of like a David. That David was there, and he he was a spiritual person, but he didn't know how to connect with his son in a way that would enable him to feel affirmed. So you weren't aff- you didn't feel affirmed or, or valued by your dad. Or? You're shaking your head a lot. Uh huh. That's good when you can acknowledge what they didn't get. Like your dad had difficulties because he didn't get it. 
It's good if kids can see that. I think it helps you. Doesn't it help you to forgive them? Does that make it easy for you to forgive them, or is it still hard? It, it, Emma, does that... Your, your, You know that it, uh, I've read some of this, and I'm going to read more of it, and then I'm going to blog it, but some great leaders, David Livingston, John Wesley, A.W. Tozer, uh, about six of them that I can think of, were terrible, terrible fathers. And uh, they should never have gotten married. It, it, because some of them, they lived for their ministry and they neglected their kids. They trashed their kids. And so the fact that people are missionaries or pastors may say nothing. When I was in, in Finland once, I was talking to, uh, I was in the home of the family, and the wife said, my husband has a mistress. And so I went to him. I said, do you have a mistress? And he said, yeah. What is it? The church. That's what she was referring to. He knew it because he was giving attention to the church and neglecting her and the kids and doing it for spiritual reasons. Let's have a time of prayer together. Anybody want to share before? Yeah, Mariana. You what? think you can break the chain and 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 out of the healing you might be able to heal them but then you can you can care for your kids in a different way yeah if you can forgive then you don't carry around that hatred but if you if we carry around the hatred then we're not able to to go beyond it so that's we want to pray again for that tonight yeah I'm sorry, what, what's your question, Michael? Uh, how is it hmm. Yeah. You have a thought on it, or are you just asking? Anybody have a, a thought on that? Yeah. 
Did you get it? You didn't get it. Uh huh. Hmm. Did you have a Do you have a father wound, Michael? And do you have siblings? Mm-hmm. Do you respect them, or were they not helpful to you? Mm. Now look at in this group, uh, over a third of you. You know that's pretty typical. Over a third here. Yeah, Mariana. Have you been able to talk to either Will or Barnabas about this or no? Mm -hmm. Do you think they want to talk about it? Mm -hmm. You asked before, Paul, what percentage of people in America, and I think with the younger generation, it's almost all. Mm. Here's the interesting thing about my family. I had wonderful parents, godly parents. After they were gone, my sister Karn, who will be here tomorrow, and two of the others are here, and I'm very, very close to my sisters. Karn, I sat down in her room, and uh, her kitchen, and she said, did you ever feel like you were more special. That's all she had to ask. I started to cry. Because I never thought about it before. I was the athlete my dad wanted to be, and he went to all my games. They felt abandoned. He was a pastor, very kind, never, never yelled, never. Mom never yelled. They were kind. They did not know how to raise their girls. And their girls felt abandoned. And I felt really cared for. So they had to deal with father wounds. And they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't hate me for it like Joseph was hated for it. But they, I was glad she could share that. She could ask that question because it drew me closer and made me feel. I had no idea. I had no clue that they were pretty much on their own. So, I want us to pray now. And uh, some of you, you can, you can honestly say, I don't have a wound. Then we'll just put our hand on those who do. And I'm going to pray. And any of you that want to pray, you feel free to. But raise your hand if you know that you have some kind of father wound. And, and then if you don't, put your hand on somebody next to you that does, if, if you're okay with that. Just put your hand on somebody near you. Pardon? You used to. Yeah. You used to. Yeah.
But you're healed. Good. Okay. Okay. Let, okay. Uh, you have somebody putting your hand on you? Uh, okay. I want everybody to get touched here. Okay. There you go. And any of you that want to pray, you feel free because some of you have prayers that need to be uh, need to be spoken, need to be uh, need to be shared. So if there is that in your heart, feel free to. Okay, Karen, go ahead, honey. That's right. You are the one. Your and you sense your Holy Spirit mm -hmm. into our life, into our mind, into our heart. The word says, when our heart rejects, when our heart and but you are greater than our own hearts. You created us. So we come against the enemy in all his ways and pray, Lord, that you would do that battle. Go ahead of us. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that you are the great healer. Mm -hmm. And you do not shame us for having healing. You validate our healing. You know exactly. And, and you see the tears that have been cried. Father, That's right. Pray. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Go all the way back. Childhood on. And, and you know, each situation where the Yes. And you give us, Lord, the strength to forgive because we can't on our own. We can't on our own. We know what's wrong. It's not right. It's, it's, it, we want, we needed that love and encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so, Father, we look to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go through some steps now. And the first, as we said, and as Andre said, is I acknowledge. Maybe you realize that you're wounded, and, and uh, maybe you've, you've not actually said that in your heart. I am wounded. I was preaching at Trinity about being victors, and, and I realized after some years that I was trying to get people to be on their front lines and some of them need to be in the infirmary. They were wounded. And so, it's, like Andre said, it's, you don't have to be ashamed to say, I'm wounded. You're a casualty. And so I just want you to say it. Just say it, uh, you know, say it loud, but you can say it just so you can hear it yourselves. I'm wounded. Remember now that Jesus didn't come to call the righteous. He came for those who knew they needed help. There were the self-righteous who didn't feel they needed anything, and they didn't get anything. 
so you're in a good place when you say I'm wounded because Jesus is near, the Bible says, to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So you have been crushed. And so you are in the place where you can be healed. The second thing that we do, we've already talked about it, is that we forgive imperfect parents. We don't have to defend ourselves from them, and we don't have to attack them. We may feel like attacking them. But in order to be healed, at some point, we need to say, I forgive my mom, I forgive my dad. I, I tear up the IOU. And that's what it, forgiveness is like, saying they, they don't have to pay me back. I'm not going to get it anyway, very likely. So I'm, I'm not going to ask them to pay me back what I didn't get from them. I'm going to release them from that debt. So maybe some of you aren't quite ready to do that, and that's okay if you need more time. But if you can, and maybe you said it last week, and maybe you need to say it again this week, but it would be good to be able to say, just loud enough so that you could hear yourself, I forgive. And then you, father, mother, pastor, anyone that you had a right to trust who violated that trust, a youth director, somebody that you really looked up to and they, they wounded you significantly. So go ahead if you feel like you can and just say, I forgive, and then finish the sentence. If you're able to, it really shows a lot of grace that God's given you. Because some people couldn't begin to do that. And if you can't, then just take some time. You know, it may take a while. It may take, like, I was glad to hear Andre say that he got some counseling. We need help from others. And if you're not ready to uh, to speak the words and, and you just wait for that time and pray that God will enable you to do it and to truly mean it. The third step after I have released them then we ask for forgiveness where our responses have not been right. We're not responsible for what people do to us. 
but we are responsible for our responses. And those responses can keep us from being healed. Absalom's responses were, were inappropriate. He tried to kill his dad. It's sad that he got killed in the process. So he never got to walk into his destiny because he wasn't able to, to forgive David. If he'd been able to say, yeah, he's a good, he's a good king, I know that, and he probably loves me, I know he loves me, my, it would have been good if he could have said that. Could have saved his life. But uh, he kept his hatred. So if you're able to now, you say, God, forgive me for, and then whatever it is that you see, that your responses, maybe they've been bitter, resentful. Maybe you've lied because of it. Maybe, maybe there was some... Um, immorality that came as a result of it. Maybe there was some deception. So you don't want to excuse things in your life because that won't help you to get healed. You want to get forgiveness. So go ahead and you can do it silently. You can do it with the person who you're praying with if you feel comfortable in, in sharing that. Any way you want to do it. Bring your grace, Lord Jesus. Bring your grace. Thank you for your blood. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Cleansing of the blood. How wonderful it is. It can cleanse broken parents and it can... Cleanse broken children. How wonderful. And then the fourth thing that we do, again, if, if you're able to, as you walk through these steps, having done this, our heart is more in the position of receiving the love of a good, good father. It's, then we can just take it in and uh, just say, God, I, I, I accept your love. I receive your love. So, Father, would you show your love? Would you show them in the days ahead that they can receive your love and they can experience it and they can feel it? 
I pray that they would feel it in the days ahead, that you would soften their heart so that they, it, it's an experience and not something that they simply have to take by faith. You want to say something there, pray something there, Steve? So we're going to sing, Good, Good Father, and then I, I encourage you to just uh, be on the receiving end of prayer. If you guys who are with somebody, you, uh, after the song, and just pray a prayer over them. Pray a prayer of healing. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who 
Yeah. 